Fine Creator Spiritus. Come, Creator Spirit, and set our hearts and minds anew. Amen. In her recent book entitled Plan B, Further Thoughts on Faith, American author Anne Lamott makes one of her typical, brutally honest, yet winsome insights when she observes. You've really got to love this about God, consistently assembling the motliest ragtag bunch of folk to bring into this lonely and frightening old world God's commitment for compassion and community. It's a centuries-long reality show with Moses the stutterer, Rahab the first of the red-hot mamas, and Mary the homeless teenager, Zacchaeus the crooked IRS agent, not to mention all the mealy-mouthed disciples who thought they knew better. And, adds Annie, not to mention a raging, insecure narcissist like me. On this Pentecost Sunday, remembered and celebrated as the birth of the church, I'd like to begin with a quiz about images or pictures in our mind. Now, since the early Greek philosopher Plato in his famous Meno, or later picked up by Sigmund Freud, these pictures, images, forms of people and things we have in our mind, whether we're conscious of that or they're tucked away subconsciously. And we don't always know what caused them or where they come from, but they're there. They're imprinted. So, for example, if I said to you that yesterday afternoon on the corner of 14th and Minnesota, I saw a man with wild-looking hair and a beard wearing a rope around his waist and a pair of sandals. Now, would you say that this person was A, a business executive, B, a scientist, or C, a religious person? Well, that's good. You're right. It's a business executive. Okay? Now, if I say the word saint, what picture comes to mind? What hangs in your mind as an image? Saint, old or young, wealthy or poor, walking or riding a Harley Davidson. You're right again. It's Pastor Jeff <laughs> riding a Harley. But these days he's stuck with a scooter, as you've noticed. Where do these images come from? Let me give you another. Church, Gothic or Foursquare? Institutional or congregational? One of the most vivid pictures of church that I have in my mind is our then five-year-old daughter, Sarah. She gathered her little neighborhood friends in our garage one cold winter's afternoon. The children sat on chopping blocks all bundled together in a small circle surrounding an old wood-burning stove. Sarah was standing up front, presiding behind a little red wagon with two sticks crossed, their altar. 
singing a rousing rendition of Jesus Loves Me. Real church. As St. Luke writes in our first lesson from Acts 2, and they were all together in one place. You see, in our mind's eyes, there's a whole gallery of, of paintings or portraits. We don't examine them much, not critically, carefully, and at times it's actually rather painful to do so. Shakespeare's Hamlet would remind us there are more things in heaven and earth ratio than could ever be imagined in your philosophy. And so on this Sunday we call Pentecost all together in one room around God's Word. What is this portrait of the newly born church that Jesus foretold and Dr. Luke is trying to paint for us? What does it mean as the church to be the spirited, to use the favorite metaphor of St. Paul, ongoing body in the world? A longtime friend of mine, Dr. David Teedy, a highly respected New Testament scholar, has written a great deal on the book of Acts as well as the early church. In one of his books, David writes these rather, I would call, skeptical words. Of course, we know that this passage from Acts chapter 2 is not a real church. Luke has painted a portrait of an ideal church, a church that doesn't actually exist. Now back to our text. In the concluding verses of Acts chapter 2, which reads, And they continued with devotion in the study of Jesus and the apostles' teaching. In other words, they anchored themselves to the tradition out of which they came, to the Torah and the prophets, to Jesus' teaching and the writings of St. Paul. They anchor themselves here firmly as the church, for if they hadn't, they would have evaporated. They would have disappeared. I know sometimes studying the Bible gets to be a, a worrisome thing, and we hear people quote the Bible to endorse all kinds of atrocious matters, violent, hateful. But the answer is not to abandon the Bible and smugly say, oh, you know, they're just part of this, this Bible study. For my friends, in our time, we're having conversations with people of other religions more than ever before. So we need to know what we're talking about. As Christians, the way we come to the table of conversation is not to evacuate our tradition, but to express it with knowledge, respect, and compassion for everyone around the table. Listen carefully to these prophetic words of Otto Pieper of Princeton Divinity School, written way back in 1960, but still, I think, apropos for our time, as social justice issues have become well-intentioned and necessary, but have tried to become the sole definition of what the church is, often lacking solid biblical theological foundations and then misguided and divisive. Pieper writes, today the predominant outlook of church people and non-Christians is amazingly similar. Not because non-Christians have been persuaded to adopt the Christian view, but rather because the members of the churches, like their spiritual leaders, 
do not study or even know the Bible and the wisdom of the Christian tradition, and quite frankly would prefer conformity with the non-believing world rather than the challenging spirit of their forebears in the faith. So writes Peeper. Now, into verse 46 of Acts 2. They continued to praise God publicly and privately in the temple and in their homes. That is, they realized the great need to be at worship, to get outside themselves, to focus on God and love for neighbor, to be a better intentional community, and that's tough. If it's true, as my New Testament friend David would say, it's just kind of an ideal form or picture. But Dr. Luke, in painting the picture, is saying they were a community, those connected in a solidarity of suffering and support for each other, a communion of saints that shared what they had in common, sitting together, eating and talking with one another. And that's extremely hard at times. I mean, have you ever tried to sit down together at dinner when you're really angry with others at the table? I'm reminded of that line in Psalm 23, that verse that says, Thou preparest a table even in the presence of mine enemies. Sometimes parents can feel that way when they look across the table at their children. Hmm? Yes, the church is composed of equal parts mystery and messiness, and yet we belong to each other. It's difficult, requiring a lot of hard work at times. And this is why the original piece of Christian furniture is a pew. It means we're together, we sit together. When the architect Frank Lloyd Wright designed Community Christian Church in Kansas City, he didn't like pews. Frank said, when you go to the church, you don't want to be interfered with by people around you. We want to have our own thoughts. We want to have our own space. So he filled that grand, beautiful sanctuary in Kansas City with theater-style seats. Thus, he said, you don't have to fool with nobody. Just take your seat. Hmm? So what or who is the church? Is it an institution with offices in the Twin Cities or Chicago? No. Is it a building at 327 South Dakota Avenue in Sioux Falls? No. It's the community of believers called and gathered by Christ's Spirit around His Word and sacrament and then sent forth to share His Word of forgiveness and hope in God's world. And whose church is it anyway? The pastors? No. A pope? A bishop? No. Is it your church, what you would like to do? No. It's Christ's church for God's sake. Then for what sake does the church exist? What is its purpose, its mission? To go make disciples of all nations. Listen carefully. People, Christian people baptized into Christ are the words by which God continues to tell God's story of salvation through you. 
those two middle letters of church, you are. Now to conclude. Drawing upon the portrait of the church as foretold by Jesus in his farewell discourse here in John 15, and painted by our first reading from Acts on this Pentecost Sunday, and so they prayed every day, studied Scripture, were at worship breaking bread, involved with the poor and needy. Now, my scholar friend David would say, well, this is just an ideal church. It's not really a church that exists anywhere. It's just Dr. Luke's portrait of, well, wouldn't it be great if? Hmm? Well, what do you think? Is this just an image that Luke has painted in people's mind, an ideal but unreal church? But how about one that's striving to create community, breaking bread together at worship, mission work that's ongoing in a shop, among quilters, Project Car, support groups like Grieving with Grace or newly formed Garage Guys, Church on the Street, Of course, my friend would say this doesn't exist. I beg to differ, for my friend has never visited First Lutheran Church, warts and all. Spirit of God, descend upon our hearts with fire for ministry and mission. In Jesus' name, amen.